morning again, church. All right, one couple of people are awake out there. Hey, guys, I want to just go ahead and apologize. Like, if I sound like um, I'm going through puberty or something like that, whatever sickness has been going around, like, it hit me a little bit earlier this week. And so I'm on the other side of it. So I'm not contagious, I think. Um, I'm not contagious. But I just wanted to let you know if I sound weird or if I sniff or if I have to turn off my microphone and have a coughing fit at some point, that's the reason why. But that's not going to happen, right? All right, good, 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 good. Hey, well, I'm Andrew. I'm the lead pastor here at Coastal Church in Chesapeake. And today we start a brand new series that's really an old series. We're going to be making a journey through the book of Exodus. And every year we take some time at the beginning of the year. And we're making our way through actually the first five books of the Bible. Every year we want to revisit this and go verse by verse at times, chapter by chapter, and make our way through the incredible first five books that God had Moses write to communicate his great story. I don't know if you realize it or not, but this life story is about God's glory. What we've been seeing happening in the world, this incredible story that God's been writing since the beginning. He's been writing this story since the beginning. And he's been telling this story, and no matter what it is that happens in the world, even though people try to like corrupt this story or even stop this story, man, God shows us that his story will turn out for good. And what he is writing and doing in the world, church, it cannot be stopped. So the question I have for you as we start this series, and every year when we revisit this series, again, the first five books of the Bible, looking at how this incredible story that God has been writing is all about his glory, this is the question I have for you. If this eternal story is for God's glory, what does that mean for my life story? Look at this story that God has been writing since the beginning is really indeed all about him. What does that actually mean for my life's story? Look, I have heard it said that life is the sum total of the choices that we've made. And some of you might say, well, Andrew, I've made some bad choices in life so far. Let me just say one of the most beautiful and powerful and even wonderful things about God is that right now, because the Lord is rich in mercy, because the Lord is great in love, Because the Lord has given us grace upon grace. Even if right now you say, I've made some bad choices in life right now. Because if you let the Lord write your story, man, you can tell a better story. Look, I even want to propose to you as we go through this series that when it comes to what Christ actually has to offer you, it is better than anything that you could ever ask for, think, or even imagine. Come on, what Jesus wants to give you, it is life. Real life. It's even life to the full. So each week as we go through this continuing story, make no doubt about it. Look, it's all about God. It is for his glory. But what does that mean for our life story? But this week, for the first part of this series that we've done and we continue to do, there's another question I wanted to ask you to kick off the series for this time around. Here's the question. Where are you going? Now, some of you might be saying, you know what, where I'm going right now is that I really want to go to lunch. So, Mr. Preacher Man, how long is this sermon going to be? Because I'm hungry right now, and I really want to go to lunch. Don't worry, it's only going to be about an hour and a half from this point, all right? Just kidding, hour and 20, okay? 
Let's get it. Not even that long, all right? It's not going to be that long. But some of you are thinking, where am I going? Look, I want to go to lunch. Some of you guys may be thinking, look, where am I going? Like, this is the year I graduate. Where I'm going is straight toward freedom. Where I'm going is finally getting out of my parents' house and living the life that I want to live. Where I'm going is straight toward freedom. Let me just say, students in the room, it's not all that it's cracked up to be, okay? Some of you might even say, look, where I'm going, look, I'm going with the Washington Commanders. This is going to be the year where they get the right coach, the right players, and they're going to go all the way. Where you're going is toward disappointment, just like me. Okay? That's where you're going right now. Maybe a better way to ask the question, where are you going? Maybe the better way to ask the question is this. Okay? Where are you going really? Come on, where are you going dot, dot, dot? Really, right now, in 2024, in January 24, 2024, where is your life actually heading? Come on, relationally, careerally, spiritually, where is the very direction of your life going? Maybe you even say, Andrew, forget about where I'm going because right now I just feel stuck where I am. Come on, do you feel stuck right now in a pattern of thinking or behavior or even life itself? Look, as we go through this next part of Exodus, we're going to see that God has been leading his people somewhere. He's been leading them to a place. But it's really so much more than that. Some of the people at this point that God's been leading, they have no idea where the Lord is ultimately leading them. But you know what God does? God knows exactly where he's leading his people. And we're going to see in this next part of Exodus that God is leading them. Even though some of them have no idea where they're going, where he's ultimately leading them is to a place of his presence. It's where they really need to go. And look, spoiler alert, every step of the way, every single step of the way, the Lord keeps reminding his people and showing them that where they ultimately need to go is closer and closer and closer to him. Now, one more setup I want to give to you. And one of the things that I want to do and I really love to do is to give you some background about the book of Exodus or the book of the Bible that we're in. Because it's always good to know where we're at in the Bible, where the story has been so far, so you can ultimately see where we're going. Because, all, man, God did not put anything down in his word by mistake. He did it with intentionality. He puts major themes in his book challenges for his people, this inspired and errant word of God is in there so that we can know where to go. And yet sometimes he prescribes some things and he says, hey, this is the way that you need to do it. Sometimes he's describing some things saying, hey, you probably shouldn't do it this way. Instead, you need to follow me. So I'm going to sum up all 22 chapters of Exodus. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 23. I'm going to sum up all 22 chapters of Exodus in just like one slide. Okay, So you don't have to write all these things down. You'll see up there. But I just want to share with you, okay, where the book has been so far so you can see where God is actually leading his people. Okay, So a major theme of Exodus is that God is after his own glory. So we need to fear him and follow him. Again, this life story. This eternal story that God's been writing is all about his glory. And when we say fear the Lord, what that means is that we need to have this reverent respect for honoring the Lord and seeing who he is. And so he's been writing to his people, leading them to both fear him and follow him. 
another major theme of Exodus, that the people need salvation and sanctification. Man, we saw that through Exodus chapter 12 through 15. Look, the people needed to be rescued out of Egypt, rescued out of bondage, rescued out of slavery. But then God also needed to be able to retrain their minds to actually follow him and to worship him. The people need salvation and they need sanctification. And then God shows his people all throughout his book, there is no other God. It is by his power that he delivers them. No other little G God by the Egyptians or any other nation can ever take his place. There is no other God. There's only one God. It's only by his power can his people actually be delivered. And then God can choose anyone, even someone like Moses. Man, we see that especially in Exodus chapter 2 through 7. Look, if, you're, if you think, if you've ever thought that you're even a little bit jacked up or messed up, okay? And spoiler alert, in case you haven't realized it yet, every single one of you are a sinner, pastor included. Every single one of us is messed up at some point. But if you ever thought that you were messed up or jacked up and there's no one where that God can either choose you or use you, look at the life of Moses. Man, Moses would deny when God was calling him saying, God, I can't do that. God, I can't talk. God, I don't know if I can do anything you're saying. Moses killed somebody. Moses ran from the Lord. Moses was far from God in moments of his life. But God still say, look, I have chosen you. I'm going to use you. So if you ever thought, look, God can't use me, man, look at the life of Moses. And you'll see really it is anyone that he can choose and use. We're gonna, we've seen in this book so far, look, it is easy for the people to get lost again and again and again. Man, they would see God deliver them with great power. They would see God provide for them in great ways. But how many times would they turn back and say, oh, it's so much better in Egypt? No, it wasn't. You were in slavery, under bondage. Life was not better before the Lord saved you. Come on, what a great reminder even for us that life was not better before the Lord saved us. But even though again and again they lose their way, man, God keeps drawing them. He keeps pulling them back to him. And then we see that God always provides for his people. Man, we saw that in Exodus 16 through 17. Man, even when the people were hungry, even though they had complained, God provided for his people and he provided some manna from heaven. And I love how the Bible describes it as the, like, these sweet, flaky things that God sent every morning. I mean, I liken it to Krispy Kreme donuts, a warm Krispy Kreme donut that God would deliver to his people. And he would bring them some quail every day, too. So God gave them some Krispy Kreme donuts and some Chick-fil-A chicken tenders like every single day. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm doing this Daniel fast during the season. I'm thinking about sweets and treats and meats. But anyway, like I was thinking about how God provided for his people in every moment, again, whether it was big, powerful ways, whether it was little, little ways every single day. Church, a major theme of Exodus is that God always, always provides for his children. And another theme that we see here, that we've seen so far, and it's kind of where we wrapped up the series last year, was in Exodus 20 through 22, where God shows the people that the boundaries of the Lord, man, they actually bring freedom. He gives them his law. He gives them the Ten Commandments. He begins to give them all these ways that they can take out what Egypt has tried to put in them so they can worship him in real freedom. And he shows them that his will, his ways, 
his word. Man, they don't hold us back. In fact, they actually set us free. And so many times, again, we think, man, our old life, that's where freedom was. No, it's not. It is in Christ. It is in following the Lord. And then something I don't have for you up on the slide is that one of the things that the people of Egypt didn't have that we have today is that we actually have the New Testament. Man, they didn't get to see the full picture. In fact, there were so many things that were previewed in Exodus that were a shadow of what will come, a shadow of the salvation and even the sanctification that the Lord would want to do through Jesus. So even as we go through this, like we get to see the whole picture that even the people of Israel in this moment didn't get to see because we know how Jesus came to fulfill these things. And then today, we're going to read some portions of Exodus 23 and 24 as we look at this next step in Exodus. And I just want to share with you two, maybe three if we have time, three reasons that when it comes to where we need to go, look, it is all still about the Lord. Every step of the way, it needs to be about him. Look, it is about him. So church, where are you going today? Really? Exodus chapter 23, starting in verse 20. Going to turn to your Bible, digital or analog, Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 20. And listen to what it says here. The Lord says, Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Ammonites and the Hittites and the Parasites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them, nor do as they do. But you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from among you. Then go down to verse 29. The Lord says, I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates, for I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. In verse 32, he says, you shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, It will surely, surely be a snare to you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, would you show us where to go? Lord, we need you to go before us. God, we need you to be right here with us. God, we need your direction. Lord, you are God and we are not. God, would you forgive us for so many times we pick up the little G gods and we let them lead us? God, would you forgive us when we pick up those little G gods and we let them even control us? There is no God but you. 
You are the way. You are the truth. Lord, life to the full is in you. We want to go where it is that you're leading. And God, if you're not leading there, oh, Lord, our God, the Almighty, would you even correct us? Lord, would you even discipline us? God, would you lead us to where we need to be? Lord, may our story be for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Church, when it comes to where we need to go, look, remember, it is all about the Lord. And even, yes, in 2024, it's still all about him. And right here in this passage, where we need to go, man, the Lord shows us. Number one, write this down, okay? First thing the Lord shows us here is that the Lord goes before his people. Look, he is leading them. He is guiding them. And the Lord actually even goes before them. The Lord goes before his people. Church, listen to me. God sees the whole picture. Right here in this story, there are two attributes of God that are on display. His omniscience and his omnipresence. Look, his omnipresence means that there is nowhere that we can go that we cannot escape the presence of the Lord. There's nowhere that we can go that he hasn't already been. And when it comes to his omniscience, like it, it means that God literally knows everything. There is nothing that hasn't happened, nothing that will happen that the Lord doesn't know. That even means that right now, even sitting in this room, and God knows every single thing that is happening in your life. And what even blows my mind about the omniscience of the Lord and the fact that he does know everything, that he even knows like every single thought that every single person who's sitting in this room or even watching online that they thought before, that they will think in the future, and they're even thinking right now. And that's something that I would never want to have because honestly, if I knew some of your thoughts right now, if you knew some of my thoughts right now, you may not ever want to sit next to me again. But the Lord, he sees the whole picture. He knows where he's leading his people. He knows every single detail about them. Look, he knows every single thing that they need. And it is the Lord who is going before his people. But he doesn't just go before his people with this omniscience and this omnipresence. He shows us right here that he's also leading them. How does he lead them? Church, write this down, okay? He leads them with direction. He gives them details. Part we don't like, he even leads them with some discipline. Man, he gives them direction. He gives them some very clear details. But he even gives them some boundaries that they need to operate in that might result in some discipline. Again, look at just the language that God had Moses write down. So even with his word that's living and active, we can still hear it today. In verse 20, he says, behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and bring you to the place that I have prepared. And he says, look, pay careful attention. Listen to the details in this and the very direction. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. In verse 22, he says, if you you carefully obey his voice, And do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies, even an adversary to your adversary. And in verse 24, he says, you shall not 
bow down to their gods, the gods of other nations. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars to pieces. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless you and bless your bread and your water and will even take sickness from among you. Look, again, it gives the people great detail and direction here. But he even gives them a warning here that if they decide to rebel against the Lord, it's going to lead to discipline. It's going to lead to discipline where it says that he will not pardon your transgression. It's a reminder that people breaking the covenant of God has some very serious consequences. But man, following the Lord, it leads to some great places of blessing. So the Lord goes before his people, again, with direction and details and discipline. Hey, obey him and follow him. It's going to lead to this place of blessing. But he even gives them this. Okay, one more thing here that I want you to see. He gives them a deliverer. He's leading with direction. All these incredible details. Hey, obey and follow. Listen to him. But he also gives them a deliverer. Look, here in this passage, some people have debated about this angel that's mentioned here as to whether or not this is just another angel in the Bible. And again, like angels in the Bible, man, they were some powerful and at times very terrifying beings in the Bible. Man, you had one angel that pretty much took out an entire army just on his own in the Bible. In fact, if you have any of those naked baby angels in your house, can you just throw those away? There's no naked baby angels pictured anywhere in the Bible. Like they are these incredible warriors, these incredible worshipers and followers of the Lord that were great and mighty and at times even terrifying. Now, this angel in the Bible here, we don't know if this is one of those angels, but it seems like with the words that the Lord gives Moses to record and what he's doing, what he's telling the people, that this may be a little bit more than just another angel in the Bible. Again, just look back over verses 20 through 22. Look, he says here that this angel has the ability to pardon your transgressions. And we know that in God's word in Mark chapter 2, verse 7, it says that only God can forgive sins. The Lord says here that my name is in him. Now, when someone had your name, it meant that they had your character and your nature, even your purpose and your authority and their authority in you. And he even says here, look, this angel is going to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Think about what Jesus himself said in John chapter 14, where he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Look, this is maybe some Bible nerd or some theological nerd stuff. But this is what we believe is a pre-incarnate appearing of Jesus Christ right here in the Old Testament. That God would send his deliverer, again, as a shadow of what was to come, to lead his people to where he wanted them to be. And even right here, man, God is showing that the Lord has gone before you, that he is going to go before you. And ultimately, that was going to come through Christ. Look, church, if you need direction today, God is leading you right now. He has given you details through his word. He's giving you directions through his word. And you may even be in a place of discipline right now. Come on, are you there right now? Do you need a deliverer again to bring you back to where he's leading you? I would challenge you, hey, don't start off this year in a place of discipline or even rebellion. But instead, would you return to your deliverer? Would you surrender your life again to Christ and turn your heart and your mind toward him? 
Look, the Lord goes before his people. But number two, write this down, okay? This passage shows us also that the Lord moves his people in great power, but it can be little by little. The Lord moves his people in great power. A lot of times, it is little by little. How many of you in here have an Android phone? Android, Samsung, Google, raise your hand up, okay? All right, now put your hands down. Wait, keep your hands up for a second. I want you guys to see these people that have invaded our church, okay? All right, put your hands down. How many of you guys in here have an Apple phone? iPhone, yeah, my people right there, yeah. My people, my people. Um, now, how many guys, like, again, I, I know, I, I'm not sure how the text messaging works on Google, Android, for I think when you text somebody, this blows up. Um, but on iMessage and a lot of the messaging apps nowadays, like, you can't, you'll see a picture kind of like this right here. Like, if you're texting someone and you're waiting for a response, like, you will see these little text bubbles come up when you're texting someone and you're waiting for a response. You'll see, there it is, Yes. How many of you guys have seen that before, right? You'll see those little dot, dot, dots coming up. Man, how many, how many of you guys, like, those little dot, dot, dots, like, it has stressed you out as all get out? Man, you send somebody a message, you're waiting for their response, and you see the little bubbles come up, and then what happens when they go away? Sometimes when they go away, and then they come back for a second, then they go away, and then they don't even come back. Man, how many of you guys know that sometimes when that dot, dot, dot comes up, like, it can cause some tension in you? Man, it can cause some fear and some worry and anxiety to build in you, especially depending on what type of response it is that you're waiting for. Church, right here, man, this is so powerful. Like God tells his people, again, he leads them, he goes before them with direction and these details, and he warns them about the discipline that might have come into their lives. And he says, I'm going before you. But then he gives them a dot, dot, dot. Look at verse 29 again. The Lord says, I will not drive them out before you in one year. Lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. And then read verse 30 with me, okay? Read verse 30 with me. He says, little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased and possessed the land. Little by little. Church, God moving us. It is a process. In fact, God moving in this way for the people was actually a good thing. He says, look, if if I were to do this too quickly, if all of a sudden there were no inhabitants in the land, it would actually become this overgrown place where literally wild animals will come in and take over property. So God said, I'm going to do this progressively. So you don't have to do a bunch of extra work later on to actually possess the land and actually inhabit the land. So he says, I'm going to do this little by little. So it was a process that God wanted to work in his people. And honestly, church, like I really believe that one of the reasons why God wanted to wait little by little, do this little by little, was, was also not just for the Hebrew people that were with him, but was for the people themselves in the land. It was for the Canaanite people that God wanted to be patient and even wait Some of you guys may remember that during our Christmas series, we talked about Rahab. And do you remember when the spies went and talked to Rahab in Joshua chapter 2? Do you remember when they went and talked to her and she said, look, we have heard about what the Lord has done. We have seen how he has saved this people. 
And do you remember with Rahab, which that's where this story is ultimately going to get to. You remember how she said like the hearing and the fearing of the Lord actually brought her family to belief. But for the rest of the people, were so many other people in the land, man, the hearing and even fearing what the Lord had done actually led to a place of denial. Man, God was so patient with the people in the land of Canaan. And I really believe that even then as he continued to move his people forward, as he was going before his people, man, he even wanted as many people as possible in the land of Canaan to come to repentance. That's why he wanted to do it little by little. Have you ever thought about how patient the Lord is with you? Come on, if you're in this room today, you have not yet trusted in Jesus as the Lord and leader of your life. Do you realize how patient the Lord is with you? Look what Peter would write in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. He says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that, the Lord, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Come on, do you know that the Lord has been pursuing you and calling you little by little? Have you heard the gospel little by little? Have you heard that this this life story really is for the glory of God? That at the end of the day, like we need to bring him glory and bring him honor that he wants to be in a relationship with us. But have you heard the bad news about sin? In fact, the truth is that many people in the land of Canaan, as God would do this little by little, get into this moment where Rahab said, look, we believe, but the rest of the people were in fear and denial of the Lord. When it comes to sin, sin is what breaks us. Man, sin is what causes the evil in the world that we see in us and even around us. It's what many people in the land of Canaan would actually continue to hold on to. What what would actually drive some people to realize they need a deliverer. Come on, have you heard the bad news about sin? But have you heard the good news about the gospel? That this Jesus who is God, he died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. The death that we deserved, the price that we couldn't pay, the wrath that was to be poured out because of our sin problem was poured out on Jesus. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. He bodily rose from the dead. He bodily rose from the grave, making a way for us, delivering us to the Father so that we can experience life to the full, and yes, even life to the full right now. Come on, have you understood that God has been calling you even little by little? If you're sitting in this room today and you haven't yet trusted in Jesus, you are not here by accident. The Lord loves you. Man, he wants you to be with him. Would you surrender your life to him today? And then for the believer in the room, look, this is a reminder that we need to pay attention to the process. Man, sometimes we miss these powerful moments that God moves and we think, look, he's not working in us or around us. And sometimes we feel in those dot, dot, dot moments that things will always be this way or things are never going to change. Or sometimes in those dot, dot, dot moments, we are filled with doubt and worry if God even cares or if he's even real. Well, listen to me, church. In those dot, dot, dot moments, the Lord has gone before you. He has not lost 
his power. But do you see that he is working in the process? Look, this is a part of following the Lord that we don't like because it means that we're going to have to go through some stuff. God will go before his people and he was going to do the work in preparing the land. And then the people would, in essence, have to do the cleanup work and the establishing work. The air war was God, and the ground war was the people. But it still meant that the people were going to have to do the work. Church, listen to me, okay? Don't give up. Do the work. Trust the process. Trust that God is working even when you can't see him. This is the sanctifying work that the Lord is doing in you to conform you to the image of Christ. And somehow, some way, look, he is going to work it out for our good, but also for his glory. Look, Romans 8.28 isn't just some cliche verse that's found in the Bible. Man, it is a powerful testimony of the saving work and the sanctifying work that God is doing in the world and he is doing in his people Come on, do you remember what it says? It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things, church, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Church, God is moving. He is moving us. Look, it is a process. And even though sometimes we forget, look, him moving us is also in his perfect timing, even if it's little by little. One more thing I want to show you today, how the Lord leads his people and how even in 2024, we need to let him lead us this way to follow him in this is number three. The Lord invites his people to come into the promise with him. And the Lord is consistently, always inviting his people to come into the promise with him. Jump down to chapter 24 and look at verse seven. It says, then he took the book of the covenant. This is Moses now. Then Moses took the book of the covenant and he read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, look, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And we will be obedient. And then in verse eight, it says that Moses took the blood and he threw it on the people. Now pause right there for a moment, okay? Can we all admit that's a little bit gross in this moment, all right? Could you imagine right now if I just started, I had a, Sacrifice animal up here, a little thing of blood, and I start just to just chuck it out on you guys right now. Okay, again, aren't you grateful that Jesus did the work so we don't have to go through this right now? Like, I'm so glad that we're living in this time period, and we're so grateful what Jesus has done. But again, like, this, this is the picture right here, right? It wasn't gross to them back then. It was normal. When a covenant was sealed or conveyed or the people were like, hey, yes, we're all in, or a group of people, or two people, or individuals say, we're all into this covenant, we're going to stick to it. It was usually confirmed or conveyed by the shedding of blood, by usually some type of sacrifice. So again, Moses doing it here, look, it wasn't gross to them, like it was them saying, look, we are really all into this. Whatever the Lord has said, like we are confirming it, we want all of it, we want that blessing, we don't want the curses from the Lord, we want his blessing. They were saying that they were all in, because the Lord again had invited them to come closer to him. He's gone before them. He said, I'm going to go before you, but keep drawing close to me. So he threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. And listen to this, verse nine. Then Moses and Aaron 
and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel went up. And they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel, but they beheld God and they ate and they drank. Man, what an incredible moment. People say, look, we are all in. And the Lord invites them closer. This closer place of his presence where they get another taste of their heavenly father. And they get to see who he is. And it simply says they just enjoyed it. (laughs) They had a meal with the Lord. They ate and drank and just spent time with the Lord. Man, this is an invitation to covenant with the Lord, church. And this invitation to the promise is one that God is consistently over and over and over again directing and making to his people. Hey, would you come a little bit closer to me? Come on, today, do you need direction for your life? One of the most powerful places you can go is closer to the Lord. As our worship team goes ahead and they make their way back up to the stage, I just want to give you some steps to take home this week, okay? I want to really challenge you. You're thinking about this year, man, where it is that you're actually going. Here are three steps that I really want to challenge you to take this week in your home. The first one is to acknowledge where you are really. And sometimes it's actually looking at, okay, where am I at spiritually, relationally? And hey, yes, even when it comes to your career, to really look at say, look, am I in the place that I need to be? Am I even in the place that God wants me to be? And sometimes for you to even know where you go, you have to acknowledge where you are right now, really. Some of you may need to say, hey, get some friends around you and say, can you help me? Sit, help me. This is where I think I am, but you know me. You know the Lord. Like, is this where, really where I'm supposed to be? Am I really am where I'm supposed to be going? You need to acknowledge where you are, really. But I also want to challenge you that you would also own your part. And maybe that's through confession or repentance Maybe it's the step of forgiveness. Again, the people, the people acknowledge, at least in this moment, we want everything the Lord wants. We're con- confirming the covenant. And maybe for you, like maybe that's just a confession of, hey, God, I'm not where I need to be. But God, I want to say to you again, I'm all in. God, would you lead me to where I need to be? So maybe this week for you, it needs to be some time of confession, confession of things that you know God has called you to do, that he's been drawing you to as well. Again, maybe you're in this room and, and maybe you haven't trusted in Jesus yet and what he's been calling you to is relationship with him and little by little, you've heard the gospel time after time and, and you're not here by mistake today. Like again, have you confessed Jesus as the Lord and leader of your life? But then I also want to challenge you, church, that you would do the work, that you would accept God's constant invitation to be closer to him. That you would accept his constant invitation to be in deeper relationship with him. And yes, he's gone before you. He's shown you the way, but it still means that there are steps that we're gonna have to take to experience the fullness of that. So would you do the work? For some of you, that may mean that, look, hey, this is a season for you to step into counseling because you've heard the pastor say it, you've heard friends say it, and you're still like, I don't really need that, but you do, Okay. Maybe this is a season that you need to step into counseling. Maybe this is a season where you need to have like a consistent, quiet time with the Lord and you need to do the work, man. Delete some stuff, cancel some stuff, put it on your calendar to make sure you prioritize it. 
but what is it? What is the work that you know God has called you to? Maybe it's even going all into this church, man. You, you've been dating the church, but maybe it's time like, to step into a deeper relationship. Whatever it is, would you do the work this week? Even if it's little by little, take another step with the Lord. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And again, Lord, I thank you for how good it is in every season. The thing what you gave Moses to write down about your people, this was written down 3,500 years ago. But I praise you, God, that is still living and active for us today. God, we need it. We need to be reminded of the God who's already gone before us. There's nowhere that we are going to go that we have been that you haven't been already. Lord, you know the way. God, you are the way. The truth and the life. And Lord, we know that you are constantly extending this invitation for us to be closer to you. And Lord, again, we are so sorry for the times when we've picked up the little G gods and moved further away from you. Lord, would you again draw us closer to yourself. Lord, help us to take those steps and move closer to you, God, even if it is little by little. Move in power in your people. We love you, Lord. In Christ's name.